All right, episode three is in the bag. Well, not yet. We're just doing the preview here, but Elliot was great. Elliot was great. Lots of information. We could just end the preview right there and just go right to the Elliot thing, but we won't. We won't. Will we, Craig? Or will we? Or I think I have this feeling you're itching. You're dying to talk Sabres. I am. I know. It's been a while that we've uh, talked to Sabres. Six games in. Um, actually, five games in. Sorry. No, how's, the math games. On the, how's the math was, on that one? I was one. thinking to myself, six games in. No, Six uh, game is tonight. Big game tonight. They take on Tampa. Oh, granted, you know what day we're recording this, but that's fine. And you know the you know the funny thing is when you when you sit there and you talk about Tampa Bay coming into Buffalo, normally I would be thinking to myself, this is going to be three hours of pain watching the Buffalo Sabres play the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is obviously one of the top teams in the National Hockey League. But I'm going to tell you, I've been very impressed with how this team has played. And their their record is 3-1-1. One one. Um, you know, a tough, um, a tough uh, overtime loss in, in, in New Jersey in last game. But this team is playing really well. In the five games that I've watched them play, they're playing with energy. It seems like they're enjoying themselves. Jeff Skinner has a smile on his face and he's working hard. And it just seems like, I don't know. I would love to know. I would love to know behind the scenes what's going on in the dressing room, because it seems like these guys want to play for one another and they're having fun. It'd be easy to rain on their parade right now, even if, and, and what do you, what do you mean rain on the parade? But I'm not that person because I'm I'm positive. I'm not I'm I'm a positive guy, and I want I want the Sabers and I want the Sabers fans to have good hockey to enjoy. But I think we all had realistic expectations for this team. Yes. Okay. And yeah. I and I'm not Still going a lot to say of season left too. I, that's that's where I'm going with this. So like I'm 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 thrilled for their start because for the young players. It's they need the morale. They need to feel some of that love. They need to, you know, whether the, the, the place or the building is packed nonstop every night, that's irrelevant, but they need to feel the love from, you know, the media and the league and everyone because they're, you know, getting off to a hot start. I think that's important for them to get a, get a sense of what that feels like. And they've shocked a lot of people. I think Boston was a real eye opener. I think Boston yeah, but was. They, they still played very well they still, in that game. Uh, right. I, and that's my point. That's, that's my point yeah. is that they still played very well, but that's the difference between a team that is expected to be at the bottom and a team that is expected to be at the top. You can still play very well against them and you're going to lose. And, but that's, that's a positive thing. Yeah. It, it is, believe it or not, it is a positive thing, even though the scoreboard might not have indicated as much. But yeah. So I guess. I'm a little apprehensive right now to, as you would say, order the rings, but I'm very happy for the start. I think Tampa Bay is a huge test. Yeah, Tampa Bay is a huge test, but I was, I was at a tournament this weekend with my, uh, with my youngest son, and I was uh, you know, having a couple, uh, couple cocktails later on that night with some of the dads and the team, and we were talking, talking some hockey. And Did you plug the podcast? The Did, you tell them, Did you tell them about the podcast, obviously? Obviously. Okay, okay. Obviously, all listening to That's it. Free That's yeah. free advertising. That's free advertising. So I had, I had uh, talked to them about the Sabres and, you know, how, how good they look, you know, not, not a, not a pleasing lineup or roster to the, to the naked eye, 
but the way that they're playing, they're playing some really good hockey. And we're, you know, three, it was, you know, three and one at the time, because we were actually watching the game um, uh, on TV at the hotel. But, you know, the, they were saying, you know, do we, do we even want to win? Do we want to win? I don't think we should be winning. I think that, uh, you know, we should be losing so we can get Shane right. Mm. And I, and, and, and I'm going to tell you this. A couple of years ago, I was on that bandwagon. I was on that, that bandwagon years ago where, yep, if you lose, then essentially you get no, you weren't. better players. You were not okay? in favor of tanking. You were not. Yes, I was. No, you weren't. 1,000%. And you know it. And, and I'm not afraid to say it that How'd I felt, that work out? I felt that that was the best way for us to draft elite players. And that's going to change and turn this, this thing around quicker. What I did realize is that uh, we can go the other way and that not happen. And we just lose, lose, lose. And I, I don't think that this, I don't think that these players care about a draft. I don't think that the players on this team care about Shane Wright. I think they want to win. And I, and I believe that my mindset has changed a little bit. It changed actually a lot. I want this team to win. I do not, I don't care where we draft. I do not care. I think you need to build an environment where winning is a must and you have to do things together and there has to be the right culture and environment. And I think that now with Kevin Adams and Don Granado, I think things have changed. It's not just about we're going we're gonna to suck so we can pick high in the draft because that hasn't worked out very well. But we do have some great young players. We do have the Owen Powers and the Rasmus Dahlins and these, these really solid young players coming up, the Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterkas, you name it. There's a lot out there that, that Sabres are going to be able to, to deal with for years to come. But we do not want to bring any one of these young players into a losing environment. We want them to be winners. We want them to understand how to win. And that's, that's my thought right now. That's my thought with the Sabres. I look at this team and they're five games in and I have been really pleased just with the work ethic, the work ethic. You know, if, even if you don't win every game and you're not going to win every game, it's how you play the game and, and, and the things, the little things that you build throughout a season I've been really pleased with what I've seen. Now, do I think they're going to be able to sustain this for, for 82 games? Well, I would say no, but I think that they're, I think they're going to try. And I think they're going to build something within that group. And I think it's a different group. I think well, it's a different mindset. Let me, let, me, let me add to what you're saying to just maybe, I don't know, how help more form that thought that you're going down is that I, do I think it's going to, do I think it will continue for 82 games? Maybe not the results that they've been getting, but I do believe this team will show the effort for the 82 games. You know, I think, and that's, and that's something we haven't seen in, in many years. And it hasn't always been every player, but when you have multiple players that going that way, 
that will stand out more, you know, and that has, that is what has stood out more over the years here. And I think what people are recognizing now is not a more talented team. This is not the most talented team they've had in the last five, six years by far. There's no risk. A little bit of an undercover talented team though. It's very under, almost untapped talent, right? Because in the last couple of years, some of the players that have been playing here uh, have taken a, large back seat to Eichel and Reinhardt ice time. Yes. And, you know, and Ristolainen for defensemen. Yes. Those were minute eaters. They, 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 they got all of the, the, you know, the dessert at the end of everything, you know, they, they played five on five, the most minutes they were on all the power plays. They're at the end of periods end of games. They played a ton. And I just look at, you know, the, the one interesting thing when I, when I go through the lineup, and if you were to do it last year, while you go through the lineup and say, does this player want to be here? Like, does this player want to be here? And if I were to go through the lineup last year, you could go through a number of players. Then you'd be like, ah, I don't think they want to be here. And nope, I don't think that Sam Reinhardt wants to be here. And nope, I don't think that Risto wants to be here. And you just keep going down the line, right? And I look at this team now, they have their, their older players, Zemgis Gergensen, who is out for an entire year, who has come back this year, and he looks energized. He looks energized he's yeah. playing his Zemgus Gergensen game you know exactly what you're gonna get from him each and every night and he looks like he's enjoying himself you got Kyla Poso who I know for a fact put in probably more work than anyone on this entire team from the way that he trained from the way that uh, he he changed his diet he did everything in his power to make sure that he was in the best possible shape coming to this camp because he wanted, he wanted to reestablish himself and be ready. And he's looked fantastic. And guess what? Jeff Skinner the other night scored that goal in front of the net, the old backhand top shelf. And I was thinking to myself, that's Jeff Skinner. That's the guy. And he's got a great big smile on his face and the boys are hugging him. And it's just, it seems loose. Got these young guys, Dylan Cousins, Jacob Bryson, Thompson, Asplin, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, Anders Bjork. Like, they have a lot of young, youthful players that are – they love wearing this jersey. They love wearing the jersey. And yeah, I think – And I that's think that's really enjoying – You know, a, a vast majority of these, these players on this team uh, are – basically just getting opportunities like these are opportunities right like it's not like they are you know started the year you know locked to play 82 games every single night on any given team I mean they're just I think they're I think that's where a lot of this comes from I think you're witnessing a team that is you know uh made up of some some young future star pieces and I hate to steal the term from when the Golden Knights were coming to the league, but there are a lot of misfits on this team. There's I, there's some guys, like you said, they're the, the they're the misfit. They're they're the the toys that you know got sh- you know you got Vinny Hinnestrota, who's a really nice hockey player, okay, but hasn't quite been able to grab a spot 
and really grab onto it. You know, Will Butcher, Mark Pissick's been a bit of a, a guy that's bounced around from team to team and bounced around in position to position, depending on the team. And, uh, you know, he, you have some players like that. Jake Adrula is another one where these guys are trying to establish themselves, not only as a Sabre, but as an NHL player, like a true NHL player that you're going to be playing in the, on the roster each and every night. So there's, and, and these guys are happy to be here. And then you have, then can you imagine playing on a team where you're playing with your dad? Well, unless your name is like Mark Howe. Right? Like imagine playing on a team where you're playing essentially with your dad. And that's like Craig Anderson. Guy's like 40. He well, I was be, like James Patrick was like, it was like everyone's dad. He was like 39, 40, 41 years and old. You know, still, you yeah. know when you have players like that in your locker room. So you know what James Patrick meant to you in particular. And we could talk about you and James Patrick. Yeah. And you can talk about James Patrick with with so many other young players that were that were suiting up for the Sabres back then. How much James Patrick? You guys always talk about James Patrick. I, it's it's incredible how we much we didn't talk, talk about, about James Patrick. We talked about Jeep. Jeep. There you go. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Like now Love you have Jeep. Craig Anderson, a guy that has played in the league for so long. He's forty some years old, and he looks great right now. He's playing a great brand of hockey. But think of think of these young players walking around. And looking at this guy that he essentially could be their dad, but the respect that you have for this man, if you, I mean, to have Craig Anderson in this locker room is just absolutely incredible because he's so much knowledge. He's, he's a ball of knowledge walking around all over the place, the way that he's going to train, the way he's going to take care of his body, the way that he's just going to interact with these younger, very somewhat immature players and then you have this guy that has been there, done that, and he can help these guys. He also has the, uh, you know, that, that unique personal life experience too. Obviously, he's a, he's a dad, which is not unique, but I mean, his he had to go through some adversity and and traumatic times with his wife and right. dealing with her health and and you know, being a player, especially a goalie and having all those things on your mind that we all have things on our mind going into a game. I mean, who knows what it could be, you know, anything, but uh, to have to deal with that and overcome that stuff and, you know, come back to play and, and then talk to kids about, you know, the young players and about how to, how to prepare, how to stay mentally tough. Right. I mean, yeah. part of, part of making it, part of making it in this league is not about um, talent. It's not even necessarily about work ethic, although those things are very crucial, but it's mental toughness. I mean, and that's something that we, I think we've talked about twice now very in much. a row, two shows in a row, it's mental toughness. And I mean, if you've got a guy that's been playing in this league for that many years, there when someone says longevity about a player, the first thing I think about is mental toughness because every one of us can overcome the physical grind. I believe that. Very true. Like I really do, but it's the mental side of it that, that I think is where got the better of me 
I wasn't mentally tough enough to stay 10 years, 11 years, 12 years. Um, I didn't know how, but, but that's why you bring up guys like James Patrick, guys like uh, Craig Anderson, how valuable they are. Craig, I don't want to go and pump your tires. It's what you were brought in here too for our team, you know, all those years ago. You were brought in here for that exact same. We had we had a lot of great players too. We had we had some really like I mean high end. I came to this team and you're looking around and you see Thomas Vanek and Pominville and Derek Roy and Connolly and I mean it just uh, Drew Stafford, uh, Clark MacArthur. I mean you just went around our locker room and it was like holy jumping. This is a really really good hockey team, but one thing they lacked is maturity. They lacked mental maturity. They were very young. They all grew up together. And it was like, they're all like, they're all brothers. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's a big part of the game. And I think you, you kind of need to have some guys, some veterans in there, the guys like Kyle Oposo and, and, and the guys, the adversity that Zemgus Gergensen has gone through. And, and you look at Craig Anderson, guys like this. I mean, they, I, I can't tell you how much these guys mean to that locker room. And it's not when things are going well. That's what you need to understand. Leadership and these veteran players, they are not, they're truly not at their best or they're not being used when things are going well. Because everybody's having a great time. You're winning hockey games. You're in a good state of mind. You're working hard. You're forging forward. You're trying to find solutions to be even better. But then there's every single season, you have a dip. You have, you have, a, you have a, a spot in, in, in a month where you just, you're not playing up the standard. You're starting to lose a little bit of confidence. And, you know, the team might be not playing the way that the coach wants. And that's when leadership, that's when those veteran players are so needed to be able to stand up and calm things down, take a step back and let's do things that we can control. And, you know, Craig Anderson, these, these, these older players on this team are so, so important you know, for the, you know, the Casey middle stats and the Darlene's and well, let's just say this too. I hear what you're saying, but there's less negativity around the organization. I mean, Sam, Jack and Risto alone have witnessed a lot of pressure and a lot of losing. Yes. And I mean that, that takes a toll. I can only imagine walking around those guys in the locker room must've been like walking on eggshells because the world of the Sabres rested on those three on their shoulders very much so yeah and they're not there anymore it's like unfair too very unfair unfair. yes you know i feel for jack i feel for sam reiner and rasmus wristline eight years of of playing where you know the verbal abuse their fault their fault their fault yes and that's going to carry players are going to be edgy i mean it's going to be hard to be around a guy i mean i guys are man I think Sam Tim Connolly right was a now. miserable prick when, when not when things weren't going well for him, but just when things weren't going well because he carried a lot of pressure. He he put it. He put a lot of pressure on himself to perform. Yeah, since he was a kid, he has been a superstar, and and then he signs a huge deal in Buffalo, and 
I'm going to tell you, like when things, when we were losing and he wasn't playing well and by, you know, well, maybe to him wasn't contributing on the scoreboard because if we're losing games by one goal, two goals, and he hasn't had a point in four games, it's not because of effort. Timmy tried hard. It's lack of finish, lack of whatever. And, and guys are Danny Briere, Thomas Vanek. I mean, I can't imagine the all guys that you – all of them. Every single one of them had, like, had extreme pressure. They, they were young. They were up and coming. They had pressure. You don't think that Casey Middlestad has pressure right now? You don't think that he feels that right now? There's no Jack anymore to rely on. And I don't and, think he does. Not yes, he does. Close. No Absolutely way. he does. No. Well, why, why the hell would Jack uh, or uh, Tim Connolly have pressure when he was here? Why would Thomas Vanek have pressure? Because by that point, Tim Connolly was seven, eight years in the league and making $5 million. Casey Middlestad is three years in the league and, you know, he's hasn't. Number, he's the number one guy on the team. Well, only by default. You know, I mean, if Jack and Sam were still here, if Jack were out, Sam could play number one. Sam's not here. It's only by default that he's number one and the circumstance of the organization. Casey so Milstead wasn't drafted here and said... he's not supposed to have pressure? Pardon? You're saying that he doesn't have pressure? You don't think that Middlestad has pressure? Looking at what's on this team right every now... Every player in the league has pressure, but I don't... Every player in the league has pressure, but I don't think he has pressure or should feel any pressure of the team's success falling on him on a nightly basis, like Jack's. Like, like Casey has a lot of other guys that can, that can take on the, the load, you know yeah, what I mean? Okay. That are going to yeah. have to take on but I'm the just, load. I, I used him as an example because he's bad he's example. Cause I schooled you. Right? He's, he's 20, 23 years old and he's been in the, he's been playing pro hockey for four years now. And he was a first, first round draft pick eighth overall. And they're, this organization is looking for him to make a major stride. And there's pressure on him. There's a lot of eyes on him. What's he making? I mean, I'm just, just curious. Not saying dollars has anything to do with it, but in a way it does. Two and a half million. Okay. I mean, he should have pressure by game 60 if he has like 25 points. But, I mean, to, to start right now, he's just getting his feet wet in the NHL as a, as a yeah. regular top. But we did get a sample size of, of, of him when Jack was not there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he was getting, he was b- basically getting first line center minutes. He was getting first line power play and Casey Middlestat took, took a hold of that and embraced it and played the best hockey that we have ever witnessed from Casey Middlestat. And we all think to ourselves in that small sample size of 25 games or, or so, or whatever he played 30 games, we look at that sample size and say, we want that back this year. We, we expect that. And now Casey has put himself on another standard. He, 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 says, he says to himself, I can do this. I can okay, play well, we're going to see. It's going to be very interesting because he's never, he's never been in this situation in the NHL where his team's you know, at the top of the standings. He's got nice time and performed when the team is at the bottom of the standings, when there's no pressure about if the puck gets turned over and ends up in the back of your net. So it'll be very interesting. It's a very interesting point. I think think right now the Sabres are three, one, and one. The the game that they lost versus Boston, I was was very pleased with the game. I thought they played exceptionally well. 
that's a game that you can walk in the dressing room as a coach after, and you can look at all your players in the, in, in the eye and say, you know what, on the score sheet tonight, we didn't get it done. But I'm going to tell you right now, we play this way. We play this way for, for the next remaining games. We will be very successful. And that's what I think. I wonder, uh, I wonder how much money Linus Allmark had up on the board. How much did he make? Five million dollars, I think I it was. Remember what his what his five salary was? Six? Was it, he didn't get no, six, did he? It's not six million. Could be. Um, I can't. I I can't remember. I know we talked about it, but I just I can't remember. So much has gone on since then of that. Linus Omar's contract is like least of my worries. Was it four years, twenty something million? Might have been like five and a quarter, five and a half, something like that. I can't remember. But anyway, I wonder how much he had up there. Ten grand? No. Oh my goodness. What? I'd say twenty. Twenty what? Thousand? I would go. I would probably say he put up a thousand dollars. No way. No way. If he only put up a thousand dollars. He should be absolutely scalded in that locker room. Are you kidding me? A thousand, Rev, Rev, what would you say if if a goalie or a player comes and signs for twenty five million with your team after after playing for this squad? You're only going to put up a grand. A grand rookies put up a grand for their first game. No, they don't. Drew Stafford. Drew Stafford put up $1,000 in New York at the Garden for his first game. He assisted on the, on the winner in OT. And I remember this because he thought I was trying to set him up and be like a dick veteran to get yelled at by the, by the, the guys. He's like, he's like oh, I got to put some money on the board. I go, just, I go, just throw 100 bucks on the board, <laughs> right? He looks at me, he looks at me, this rookie kid, right? And I'm like, you know, here I am getting ready to go out and fight. I don't know if who I'm fighting tonight, Colton or whatever, but either way, like I'm the only fighter on the team. And this rookie looks at me and he's like, what? What? Are you trying to get me in trouble? I'm not putting a hundred dollars. What are you crazy? He says that to me. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, you know, I was trying to be nice to him. I'm like, you don't have to put a thousand up. Don't put a thousand up. Like, like we're a really good team. You're not going to be here tomorrow. You know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, don't waste your money. You're not going to be here that long. You know, we're in first place in the league. And uh, anyway, so he threw up a thousand bucks and that's, that's the going rate, I guess is a thousand dollars for a rookie. So, I mean, Lena Salmark sh should definitely be putting up five grand at least. Tim Connolly put up $3,000 in Dallas for Rip Simonic's last, or uh, Rip Simonic's 3,000th game as a trainer in the league. All right. Feel like that $1,000 bet? Yeah, I don't think the $1,000 is, is, is good anymore. I think he, yeah. I don't know. It's been a long time. I, I, I would like to know what these, these – there's so many players in the league that are making extreme amounts of money. I would love to know what these guys are putting on the board. Do you remember – I think you went up to the board. You went up to the board. I remember this. I think you went up to the board or – I don't know. I, it definitely happened in Buffalo, and it was later in my career because I was at a point where, like, I could chirp about it or whatever. But someone went up to the board and put – 2000 or 3000 down or whatever it was on the board and then put minus 15% escrow. And then to did the math 
Okay, did the math and then put this is what I'm putting out, uh, putting down on the board today. Did all the math on the board. Was it not you? I thought maybe it might have been you. With the I team, don't team think I would have taken the uh, taken the time to to figure get out the calculator out to do that. No, I can't remember who it was. Oh my god, guys were sitting there and trying to help the guy do the math, and and he kept screwing up the math. And he goes, "Ah, we'll just do this amount." I thought for sure it was you. I thought it was you just because of the math problems. But anyway, uh, no. that being said, so that's it. And then Elliot had uh, El- everything that you want to hear about Jack. If you're not tired of hearing about Jack, but we asked him, we said, is this something that's going to be in your 32 thoughts every week? And he said, absolutely. You know, everyone's tired of hearing about Jack, but that's the biggest story. And I think, I don't know. He talked about something on hockey night in Canada, but inside the podcast, I just hope that it comes to a resolution inside the podcast here. He referenced the, the grievance. Would you, would you say what comes to a resolution? The Jack, Jack. Eichel? I just hope it comes to a resolution. I, I just think that we need to move on from this. And, you know, I hope, I hope things work out for Jack and I hope things work out for the Sabres and they can just close this chapter and move on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have, I have a bold prediction, Riv. Jack Eichel is going to play for the Buffalo Sabres again this year. Jack Eichel will play games because you know what's going to happen? The grievance is going to happen. And... He'll end up having a surgery and he'll end up playing in like March. So, well, we'll see. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy what's inside ladies and gentlemen, Riv, anything quickly to add before we uh, get out of here and head into Elliot? No, no, not at all. Uh, The only thing is, um, yeah, enjoy this, uh, enjoy this little segment with Elliot Freeman. He's uh, certainly uh, gives some great insight on uh, what could happen with Jack. Episode three with Elliot Friedman, even though we have five out there, the pilot, episode one, the Reuben Brown special, the JR, and now Elliot Friedman joining us. Uh, I had the under, Andrew, so congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, yeah, well, we were excited last week. We were just spitting stuff out left, right, and center. I Good. Mean, we, That's the way it is. Yep. You know, we had, uh, we had a lot going on, but uh, I guess we owe you the thank you for actually us being here. Hey, Craig, we were talking about this before. Yeah, absolutely. For you, Elliot, we never would have left and gone off on and done our own podcast. It was your advice. You said in your last 31, or there was 31 thoughts. Now 32 mm-hmm. podcasts are a way of the future. And, and Craig and I were like, maybe we should just listen to Elliot and just uh, split and go, go start our own thing. Well, I think that if you take a look at my own company, right? Like I work obviously for a media company and it's very clear that they believe in, podcast more than they believe in radio so um you know i think that if a if a media company believes that and it's a pretty big one and a pretty powerful one then you know little dumb me should believe the same thing all right so that was our pat on the back thing for you elliot (laughs) now let's get into it all right no more you are 26 minutes late and if you were 26 (laughs) minutes late to a team meeting in the National Hockey League, what do you think that that fine would be? Well, I got some stories for you, Craig. First of all, Harry Neal, who I worked with when I first joined Hockey Night in Canada, he used to call me five to seven because I was always five to seven minutes late. <laughs> and I do have a bad habit with that. I'm better than I used to be, um, but I do have a bad habit with that. And he told me, I w- he used to tell me, I would have you shipped out to the minors so fast you have no idea. 
And the other one that's interesting about that is that Kelly Rudy, the angriest he ever got at me was at the Olympics in Italy in 2006. I was 15 minutes late to meet people in the lobby for dinner. And he yelled at me in front of everyone in the lobby, like, like viciously undressed me in front of other people. And later on, he apologized for it. And I said, you don't have anything to apologize for. I was late and I'm late all the time. And like, I, I don't have a single problem with what you did. If I, if I didn't like it, I'd be on time. So I do have a timeliness issue, Craig, but I will say today in my defense, um, there is a big breaking story in Toronto this morning and uh, I was having to deal with it. So uh, I will say in this case, it was not because I wanted to stiff you guys or cause you guys inconvenience. Yeah. This was a legitimate work issue. Is this a story that will, is coming out or is this a story that you're related to or is it, will it be in 32 thoughts this week? Well, basically what it is, is there's uh well, there's a lot going on, right? Like there's, you know, there's Chicago, uh, there, what's going on with their team. There's Toronto, what's going on with its team. And there's also a story like, you know, I work for, you know, Rogers and Rogers is having a big corporate fight right now. And all the dirty laundry is airing into public. And one of the stories that came out on Monday morning by the Toronto star was that they're, they're reporting that, um, Rogers interfered with the Raptors' attempts to re-sign their, their head of basketball, Masai Ujiri, who, as far as I'm concerned, should get $11 billion for leading the Raptors to the NBA title. No question, uh, right? But, you know, there was, a, there was an internal fight over it. And, you know, when that, you know, one of the questions that I look at is, okay, this happened in basketball, and it's also happened with the Blue Jays, one of the things you start looking at is, is there a leaf related angle that you should, I should be dealing with. And one of the people who I could ask about that uh, called me this morning while you were, well, I was, I was supposed to be on with you. So you guys got bumped, unfortunately. You know what? Andrew and I love our time together. We're just sitting there staring at each okay. other. Like look at Andrew's hair in the morning. It's he's got his, uh, He's got his hair back, all slicked back, looking ready to go. Like, look at this—he's wearing. What's this got to do with anything? Well, when I when I finally dialed in, everyone, I want you to know that Craig was lying on his couch pretending he was sleeping, and he might not have been pretending. Like, let's <laughs> let's go with that too. Yeah. So, I I wonder, like, do you, when you talk about you know Rogers getting involved in that and stuff, I mean. You said you you think that stuff get or the, that happens with the Leafs, shouldn't it? Should it not? I I don't I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I mean, I, like, how much money are we talking about? Is that is that just strictly the the business side uh, of of the game that people should just not be getting involved in? Well, I, I you know everybody feels differently about these things, but you know Masai Ujiri, as far as I'm concerned. You know, he, he led the Raptors to a title and he bet on his vision and he won. And, you know, I think in the NBA, it's very hard to win. A, if you don't have a superstar or two. And B, it, it's a league where, like you look at Milwaukee won with Giannis the other day, last year. And, you know, when, when you're in Milwaukee and you have a star of that nature, all you ever hear is, Oh, he's going to want to leave for New York or LA or, or something big like that. Like mm -hmm. the NBA is a league or Miami, the NBA as a league, it, it feels the pull. The stars always feel the pull of the biggest markets. Right. 
And so like when Vince Carter was here, he was the biggest star in the NBA at a time. You know, it, there was always a belief that, oh, and, and like in the NHL, Toronto is the big market, but in the NBA, even though it's like a big market, it's not treated like as such. And there's, there's a snobbery down on Toronto and it's kind of like, oh, Vince Carter, he's not going to want to stay there. Why would he want to stay there? He's going to want to go somewhere to the States and somewhere big. So I think it's a big challenge to win here. But Ujiri bet on it and he won. And I don't, like, I got to tell you, like, this year he drafted a guy named Scotty Barnes in the first round. And people were, like, ripping that pick. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm sitting here, I'm saying, hasn't this guy earned the benefit of the doubt? You know, like, and like as far as I'm concerned, they probably can't pay him enough. So I, well, I no, no one thinks that he deserves the benefit of the doubt because there's no Kawhi Leonard anymore. Yeah, but he still made that deal. You know, people said Kawhi Leonard, he's not going to show up. He's not going to go to Toronto. They got yeah. him to Toronto. The guy played great, and then people were like he's going to leave. And I'm like, I don't care if he leaves. He won the NBA title here. He had one year left on his contract. He did like he did everything he was supposed to do. He played hard. He won a championship. If you want to leave somewhere else for three hundred million, you've earned it. Like I don't know. Like, like so, it's a big story up here, and I think Ujiri's worth every penny he can negotiate. And where well, did is Kawhi sign uh, in uh, the Clippers? Clippers? Yes. Yeah, okay. Clippers. Loyalty's rare in sports. I think that's probably what shocks so many people. And that Giannis story that you're talking about—that's very unique. Yeah, you say that though. You say uh, you know these players have a very short lifespan yeah. in this game. So it's you have to you know you have to take advantage of your opportunity when it's given. I understand that uh, you know it's it's becoming more and more rare to see a player stay with one organization throughout his time, but there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of money out there, and these players, I think, for the most part, uh, you know. They're only doing this for a short period of time, so they have to take advantage. You know, at the end, you know what I believe, guys, and, and you guys saw it too. When you're a free agent, you've earned the right to test the market and see what's out there for you. Um, you know, people do it in life. I don't see why people can't do it in sports. But in this particular case, like, you know, what Ujiri's done with the Raptors, he, he's worth every penny he gets. And I know the fan base feels the same way. So all the dirty laundry is getting out uh, yeah. today. I, I know uh, I, I want to, we want to talk everything 32 thoughts and what's going on in 32 thoughts. And I mean, maybe this is something that's go, going to be up in there because, you know, we talk about it every year this time, but you look at some of the teams in the league, Elliot, and some of the terrible starts that they've had. And I, I wonder if there's a, a thought in out of the 32 that might discuss some uh, hot seat coaches or even okay. general managers in the league okay. uh, already this early in the season. Okay. So who are you thinking about? Well, well, Montreal, I think Montreal. Is, yeah, I mean, yeah. well, Montreal's situation is a little unique, Craig, in the sense that his contract is up at the end of the year, and like, I, like he's been there a decade. How long did you play in Montreal, Craig? Uh, Twelve years. Okay, so just a little bit less than you know you were there. Um, you know, I think the so I think the biggest thing that we're dealing with here is is Bergevin burned out. Like, does he feel that after 10 years of this, it's, it's enough? And I, I think there is something to that. I, I do believe that. I think one of the reasons that he's been very understanding of what Jonathan Duran has gone through and what Carey Price has gone through is that I think he's felt the burnout himself. 
And, um, you know, last year uh, in the off season, uh, your old buddy, uh, Chris Drury, uh, was promoted in New, New York and he got a great contract and the number is believed to be in the mid fours and it's a great deal. And uh, he's also president. But I think what that did was it had some executives in the league looking and saying, wow, that's a great deal. Well, that should raise my bar. And I think Bergeron is one of the people who said that. I don't believe Montreal is willing to go into that salary stratosphere for him. So I think that what Bergeron is saying is if, if I'm going to stay, like I feel I should be in that area or around. I don't know if he's asking for the same amount of money, but closer to that number yeah. uh, if I'm going to put up with all this aggravation. And they haven't been able to reach a deal. And I think that, so I, I think that's kind of where we are. I'm not saying they can't reach a deal. I never, I never believe that anything really gets done until, in a lot, in most cases, till there's a real deadline. But you know, I, I think Bergevin has kind of wondered if it's time to go somewhere else that's a little less. How nice. desirable would uh, Bergevin be if he was on the open market right now? I think he'd be, uh, well, you know what? I think he'd be fairly desirable. Um, you know, he won, he, he got the team in the Stanley Cup last year, although they're off to a rough start this year. I don't think that is entirely a problem of his making. You know, the, like, like you guys have been, like, you look at a team, you don't have Price, you don't have Weber, you don't have Perry, and that was their choice. Uh, you don't have uh, Deneau, which was also their choice. Um, you don't have Edmondson for the beginning of the season, who isn't the biggest name, but he's a stabilizing player. Yep. He's the, he's the Craig Reve of the current Canadians. Um, you know, like you, you know, like I, I cock and Niemi, but that was also their choice. Yes. Um, but I mean, these are all not players there, yeah. that are not in the current lineup. That was a team that went to the Stanley cup finals last year. Yeah. They've lost their identity. And you know, the, the thing that I think is Bergevin's biggest strength is that, he comes up on a course of action and he does it. Whether people agree with it or not, he does it. And I think in markets like Montreal, that's not insignificant. So in Montreal, you, you know, it, it's easy to suggest that GM goes first. This isn't going to fall on the coach right away. Uh, Are we keeping you up? Are we keeping yeah, you up? Sorry, it's more like I said, I'm tired. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> No, I, I don't think they're even looking to fire anyone, to be perfectly honest. Really? Um, no, I don't. Now, I will say this. I'm not convinced the owner liked that this is now public. Um, I don't think he liked Berzavan addressing. Like, last week, Berzavan said, in a perfect world, I'd be back. Well, I think now we all know what that means. I'm not convinced the owner would like that. But I don't think he's looking... like. There have been plenty of times over the last decade that Jeff Molson, like the fans were clamoring for Jeff Molson, the owner, to fire Mark Bergeron. And he never did. He clearly believed in his plan. Um, so, and don't, and also they fired the coach last year. So I don't think that is yeah. going to happen again. I, I think they play this, like, like, to be honest, guys, if I was Montreal, you know what I'd be doing right now? I'd be saying, should we go for Shane Wright this year? And come back next year i thought that's what yeah i mean that's I, what i would do that's that seems like when you're this far in why are you going to try to claw like i know it's only six games but i agree on. 
Like, go get them. You need them. I mean, you need them. You're already there. You're telling me you're a team that was in the Stanley Cup finals last year, and now six games in, our, our, our course of action is to somewhat tank for Shane Wright. Well, you know, Craig, like, look at the situation, right? Um, like, you know, like sometimes like th- these are extraordinary circumstances. I mean, you don't have your captain, you don't have your number one goalie and you're not going to have your captain all year and you may never have him again. And your number one goalie, you know, we just don't know. Right. So sometimes you just say, okay, we've been, it's like my grandmother used to have a line, you plan God laughs. So God's laughing a little bit right now with the Montreal Canadiens. So maybe sometimes you pull an audible and you say, look, like this year, first of all, the drafts in Montreal, they have two first rounders. One of them is tied up with Arizona and the Dvorak trade. Like they know one of those picks is probably going to, could be going to the Coyotes. Um, but there, you know, you're not trading the first round pick when you're 0 and 6 and you have the draft. And there's a franchise player at the top of it. You, you, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So sometimes, yeah. Craig, you just got to say, holy cow, I didn't think we'd be in this situation, but here we are. Let's be smart about it. It'd be so wrong if they got that first pick. Why? Because Sabres have sucked for so many years. They haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. I, I, I feel right now, for, for the first time in a very long time, that they have made – the proper decisions with the development of some of the younger players, like I agree with that. A, an Owen power who is capable of playing in the national hockey league is not, he's going to I think that was probably as much power's choice, but yeah, it's probably better. But it, I would say it's probably collective, right? Yeah. You know, I think watching him in the world championships last year, I think he threw an eyebrow raise and, and you could clearly see that he could play at a higher level, but mm-hmm. the best thing for Owen power right now, is for him to stay at Michigan. And you have Jack Quinn, who's probably capable of playing in the NHL, and J.J. Paterka could probably play in the NHL, mm-hmm. but they're keeping them in the minors, and they're allowing them to marinate. Uka Pekalukan in the same thing. So they're doing the right things by allowing players to develop in different spots. So why That's, does that suck if, why would that suck if Montreal got because that? I Because... I, I just think that Montreal or Buffalo has, has struggled and not made the playoffs in so many years. And now you're going to have a team like Montreal who went to Stanley Cup players playoffs last year going to go and get Shane, right? Well, you know, Craig, there are people who feel that, that if you're that out of it for that long, maybe you don't deserve that player. There's that, but I mean, uh, if there, it's within, if it's with you know, intent, if it's with intent, like, I look, guess my feeling is the same thing as what we said about uh, the Edmonton Oilers all those years. Yeah, and, pe- and people know, said the same thing. They were I furious, think. you know. Yeah, you had, uh, when they won those... the McDavid, do you think the league liked that? No. Remember the look like on it. McDavid's face initially? But well, did the league the... like it? Did the league like it, Elliot, or did McDavid not like it? I think it was. I think for hockey, yeah, like for, for the league, Edmonton needed him. They had the new rank. They were, you know, terrible. No, I, I don't. I, I think initially there was like, you know what? Like, I, I think, in, like, remember they, remember they were working on changing the lottery odds around that time too. And now one of the things that's happened is, you know, they, they've changed them for next year because they were tired of 
the same teams winning all the time? And, and is there, is there too much incentive not to win and not to win games because you could win the lottery? I don't think anybody like that. Nobody wants to see a team in the lottery, you know, 10 years in a row or 10 years out of 11. No, nobody wants that. It's not, it's not good. Now, the one thing I agree with you and, you know, I don't like what's going on with Eichel. I, I don't think that a player legitimately injured in a game should be held up like this. But I do, th- I do like what your organization is starting to do. I think what I'm seeing in Kevin Adams is I'm seeing a guy who says, I know what I don't know. And I thought Jason Carmanos was a really good hire. The guy's been around for a long time. Yep. Um, like, I, I don't know Sam Ventura, but I know of him. And people speak very highly uh, of him. The, the analytics, um, uh, Dominic, that was hired last week, people speak really highly of him too. Like, I think you guys are bringing good people in there. I, I, and, I, and, like, and look, like, I, I, I think you're, you're choosing to build around Cousins. Um, I think that he is uh, a hell of a player and he's got the right attitude. I just think that people look at it and say, how many times have we thought we've been going down this road? That's all. Let, let, let's talk about the Sabres more and Jack Eichel. Um, is there any more there? Because there's been some rumor, Elliot, about it heating up, I'm sure. Is this going to make your 32 thoughts every week until yeah. it is? I, I, had, it? I had one guy tweet at me. He says, I love everything about your blog and podcast, except I'm tired of hearing about Eichel. <laughs> and I kind of laughed and I said, you know, I get it, but it's a story. And, um, you know, I, I think that I think we're getting close to a grievance. Like on Saturday night, I said maximum two weeks. I was being careful. Like, I don't think it's today or anything like that, but I, and we're taping this on Monday morning, but I think we're getting there. I, I think the grievance is coming. And I think the argument is going to be that there's plenty of doctors who feel that this is a legitimate path and the CBA was never intended to block people from getting uh, legitimate medical procedures. So I, I do think this is coming. So let me ask you, uh, could it, does it go be like, could Jack Eichel sue the Sabres? Well, I think what I, I don't, I don't know if it's suing the Sabres. Um, I think it's more like, uh, I don't think it's suing the Sabres. I think it's more like challenging to say that they shouldn't be able to block him from this operation. How long does that process take to, to kind like if, like if a grievance is filed, I have to imagine Jack is going to miss a vast majority of this season. Yeah. I, 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 it's, it's hard to see. Like, I know, like, I think one of the things that's really difficult about this for him is that he hoped to play in the Olympics. Yeah. Who wouldn't like, it's very hard to see that happening. He Uh, must be, he must, Elliot, I've never like Craig, I'm sure you can speak to this more than I can for sure. But Elliot, I, I couldn't imagine how trapped and how fuming he must be knowing that this is, this is in his prime. Yeah. His first chance at an Olympic games and he's not going. I, I, I well, you know, how would you feel? I, I like, like I only judge other people the way I judge myself. Right. So I put myself in his shoes and I know how I would be. Well, I can tell you this as, as a, as a player that has had, you know, many surgeries over the years to, to fix my body, to be able to play at the highest level. Uh, 
I would never be doing a surgery that I, that I didn't felt that I was comfortable with that if I felt I wanted to do something else, then that's what I'm sticking to because it goes far beyond just what's going to happen in the next, you know, five or six or seven years with Jack Eichel when he's playing in the national hockey league, this has, mm-hmm. you have to look at what is, what is his body going to feel like after the game? And there's a long life to live after we're, we're, you know, we're, we move on from the national hockey league. And I think that's an important thing to be looking at too. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, Craig, I think all this is true. Like Andrew, I remember talking to you once in one of your later years with the Sabres and you know, you, I, I remember you told me that when there was one time you were there and I, I can't remember what the circumstances were, but you resigned and they kind of told you before the season, you know, Andrew, you might not play a ton and you signed up for it knowing that was going to be the case. And I think if I remember the conversation properly, you told me that, you know, even though you knew what you were signing up for, it was still hard not to play. And that's you signing up for it. Now imagine what Eichel's going through right now where he can't play and he's in the middle of this battle. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, guys like, like, I think it's. I think this is wrong. I, I so think this is bad for the league. Trades then. What's like, that? Are, are there are there teams out there that yep. have got the medical, um, you know, information on Jack, and they have looked at it, and they've looked at it with their doctors, and talked of all of these these specialists that have agreed with Jack Eichel's um, train of thought. Why has there not been a deal done yet? Well, I think there are teams that agree with it. I think there are teams. Like I, I've been told there was one team, there was one team that really liked Eichel that isn't in favor of it. I don't know which one it is, but I've been told there was like one of the teams that a lot of us have kind of considered as, uh, as a team that's been consistently mentioned is it has said, we're not crazy about this. So I think that's a factor, like who's interested and who's interested and willing. I, I think there's about uh, the number we keep hearing is four or five teams you know, I, I just think the, the Sabres have asked a lot. I do. And you know what I think is going on right now is like, I think the Players Association is involved and the league is involved. Um, I think everybody is trying to push people along to can we find uh, a conclusion? And one of the things I think that's happened here is I've heard that the Sabres were like, ownership there, the Pagulas we're really happy about the way the wrist alignment trade was received and like the, 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 what you guys got in return. And, you know, that deal was done because Adams was willing to be patient. He was very patient with wrist alignment and he got a deal that, you know, Sabres fans really liked and therefore ownership really liked. And so it convinced them that the path with Eichel was to be similarly patient. So I think they're asking a lot, like, like I I've just heard the price is very, very high still. And that's the way the Sabres feel. And that's why we aren't where we don't have a deal yet. Anaheim. Was it Anaheim? I don't honestly, I don't know, okay. uh, but I, I was told that there was one team that we were all kind of around them on and they weren't crazy about what, What's the, we'll, we'll start to, to, to wind down here. What's the closest to trade has, that that has been for Jack Eichel. Has, has there been one that has been really, really close? I I don't know that. I, I will say this. I think Calgary has engaged pretty deeply at times. Um, 
haven't been able to get it done. But I, I, I think that Calgary has been engaged pretty deeply. I think Vegas has engaged pretty deeply at times, but haven't been able to get it done. Um, I don't, because I think we're talking about a Greek, I think Minnesota has talked at times. And now Minnesota has another issue, which is their cap situation after buying out both Parise and Suter, which affects their ability to do it too. It obviously hasn't gotten done. And I think the Rangers, and I don't know if this is recent, I think this was more like a year ago, um, have been around it, but haven't gotten it done. So, but the fact that the grievance is coming up now says to me, Andrew, that people don't see the trade as, as likely right now. And that's why the grievance is coming out because they think that that's the best way to move this along. So what happens, what happens next? Let's say the grievance is in favor of Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel. Then he can go get the surgery. And now the Sabres are just basically waiting. He's still obviously Sabre, Buffalo Sabres, um, you know, owned and, and they yeah. have to wait until, uh, until and he's then the, healthy. The, the question becomes to me, Craig, is do we get a situation where Jack plays for the Sabres? I was just about to ask you, uh, Elliot, make a prediction. Yes or no, Jack Eichel plays for the Sabres again. Well, I, I'll tell you this. If it, it, it depends on what happens with the grievance, right? Like, if he wins the grievance, then I think he gets traded. Okay. But we'll see. And you know, someone asked, like, the, the thing is, grievances aren't necessarily fast. Now, there is a process where they can ask, ask for an expedited grievance, and I think there would be a desire here to do this one as quick as possible. But, you know, arbitrators and lawyers, they don't work incredibly quickly. Last question, because we don't want to just stay Sabre-centric, although they have the biggest story in hockey right now, which is Jack Eichel, which is why you'll have it in your 32 thoughts every single week. But... Is there going to be a shakeup over the border in Toronto? I think if, like, I always thought they had this season. The players, the, the team had this season to sort it out. If it continues this way, I think the clock starts ticking earlier. Hmm. Okay, well, something to keep an eye on. Great stuff as always, Elliot. Great to chat with you guys. Yeah. Looking forward to listening. I, you know what, and I'll, I'll well, say this. Next week I'll try to be on time. No, you know what? Listen, the later you are for the reasons that you're late are beneficial for us. So it, it's, it's really not a problem. I mean, you, you come on telling us a big story and, and uh, that's what we want to hear, right? It's not like you're, you know, oversleeping, right? Yes. It's not, well, no, I'm not over. I'm definitely not oversleeping. <laughs> Elliot, thanks for your time, man. All right, guys. Have a great, I got to get to thanks, work. I got to write my blog. Well, yeah, it looks like it looks like you're ready to rock and roll on something over there. I'm, I know what it's Monday is a busy work day, so I got to get going. But I'm happy to carve some time out for you guys. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you next you. week. So that's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter After the Whistle and at Craig Reve fifty two at the Instigator seventy six. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.